Hey listener, just a little FYI, the episode you're about to hear was not made for this podcast. No, it is a re-upload from my other podcast, Darwin's Deviations, and it was made with that style in mind, so it is kinda weird and awkward. So why is it here? Well, it is the whole inspiration behind this Tracing Owls podcast. I really enjoyed discussing the nature of paranormal weirdness without any prior planning or writing. It will sound kinda awkward, but I love it. And I thought, hey, I want to do a show like this. So if you're interested in the inspiration and ideas behind this Tracing Owls podcast, stay tuned. And if you already heard it, or just don't care about mind-blowing philosophy on the nature of human existence and the paranormal's role in maintaining natural equilibrium, then I guess skip ahead. Forwards to the first episode of this brand new awesome podcast whenever I decide to release it. Shit, I haven't made it yet. Hey listeners, real quick before we start, I have to give a very special, huge, wonderful shout out to a very dear friend and an amazing artist. Christina, who goes by the crescent hair. Guys, I stumbled upon this artist completely randomly on Instagram, thanks to a beautiful art piece of Braxy or the Flatwoods Monster, and I wanted to see if this person was really legit and fun, so I messaged her, are you a barn owl, and added a sad puppy dog eyes face. And... She loved it, and now we're friends! But the most amazing part is she actually allowed me to feature this same art piece I love so much as my episode art. Just look at it! Isn't it amazing? Braxy is like a cutie little witch. And the Fresno Nightcrawlers are dancing around her as her familiars. But, you know, Fresno, California is on the West Coast, and Braxton County, West Virginia, is... On the East Coast. No wonder their legs are like noodles. That's a major walking distance. And that's definitely one badass witch. So, listeners, if you also love this episode art, well, Christina has a lot more to show you. All of her art is themed around the paranormal or folklore or even witchy stuff but very, very colorful and very whimsical. She made the Flatwoods monster beautiful and kind of sexy too. Heck, she even has a piece on Indrid Cold and she made him even kind of cute and huggable. And there are more coincidental ties to my podcast because she has a load of pieces on the jackalope. But also, uh, hairs in general, because she seems very fond of hairs. Who would have guessed? So, listeners, just hop on over to Instagram and give her a follow. Her Instagram handle is at the Crescent Hair. It will be linked in my episode description as well. And, like, do it now. If the Nightcrawlers could take a cross-country hike, surely you can make a few clicks, huh? And if you are interested in posters or clothes that feature her content, take a look at Christina's Etsy shop at www.etsy.com slash shop slash the Crescent Hair. All of her art is available there, and currently there are 93 items, including that Indrid Cold piece, cause why not greet guests to your home with his very lovable face? And especially including the Braxy piece from my episode art. So, guys, support independent niche artists, cause who else do you know who can make Indrid Cold and Braxy very lovable and very huggable? <laughs> 
So, on to the episodes. Hey, my listener fan thingies, you know what actually happened. We actually achieved 1.5k plays. So, we've achieved an achievement. That has been achieved. So anyway, uh, like I always do, sometimes, probably, I am making a bonus episode because we've established a milestone. But, as you can see, uh, this episode is not scripted. And this episode is not edited. Much. And who the fuck is this other person on the other side of the microphone? Uh, well, this is the real me. The real Darwin. Yeah, I am not an energetic person at all. Moving on. So as you may see, this is a a very extreme, huge difference compared to my uh, usual content because I always need to act and I emulate various different characters and over-exaggerations of my true self. And in real life, I I am just a dork. A very passive, non-energetic dork. And I hate myself. So, I've been chatting with some people on Instagram, some uh, murder birdie people, and some slicey of lifey people, and some uh, hairy people. <laughs> you know who you are. And uh, I've, I've started uh, doing like uh, voice clips because everybody wants to do those on Instagram. Uh, but <laughs> I am always reluctant to do that because I am very, very awkward and I stutter a lot because this is actually not my real language. And I can't speak without a script because I've, <laughs> I've grown accustomed to acting and narrating and emulating different characters. So, yeah, I'm sorry if if this episode is awkward, but um, it, it's about to get more awkward. So I wanted to take this chance to talk a bit about my show and what's going on and why you're not seeing hundreds of episodes monthly like I did in the past. Um, there's a lot of shit going on in my life, and it, it's very nerve-wracking. And as you can see uh, now, my real self is totally different than my persona self on the show. So you can just imagine how much work and effort goes into production. It takes quite a while to create an episode, and I, I just can't manage doing doing consistent content because life gets pretty, pretty hectic. So I'll be making the show, I'll be putting out episodes as I see fit, I've already stated that in the Breakage of Darwin bit, and even though some may think that my content is high production value, it is just a hobby for me, and uh, I have a lot of things going on uh, apart from the show, and I'm just making it it as a non-profit entertainment thingy where I can express my opinions and mold them into some conglomeration of gonzo comedy bullshit. But anyway, uh, since since my show is very controlled, very scripted, very edited, in the end product, if I have to say it like that, in the end I can't really express everything that I want to say, so I'll leave a lot uh, to the listener to interpret it themselves. But something that may be interpreted in various different ways depending on the social and cultural and psychological framework of you as the individual as I put it in the last episode is this concept that I have presented of a cosmic joker. Now 
I have been <laughs> building up to this overtly since episode 12, when we discussed some very, very heavy philosophical shit about the framework, about the fabric of reality and existence. But, uh, to be honest, my... <laughs> My show has been themed around this concept since the beginning, and yeah, I, I revealed in the last episode that we are all, all my characters, agents of the Cosmic Joker, servants of the Cosmic Joker. We are the immune system of nature and reality. I'll, I'll explain that later. <laughs> so the first time I ever heard about the concept of the Cosmic Joker was via, yes, a book in my childhood. And yes, a book that I bought in a thrift store for just a few bucks. Now, I don't have the book with me at this specific moment. It's at my mom's house, but I think it was some kind of Reader's Digest book called Bizarre Phenomena or something like that. And the cover had a picture of an ice cube on fire. And it's all about Fortiana and if you are not aware what Fortiana is, because it is a British term and it is very out of date now in the paranormal uh, world, it's basically anomalous shit that's been happening around the world. Uh, rains that have been raining frogs or fish or uh, entombed animals, animals that are found in rocks or spontaneous human combustion. So something weird and bizarre, probably what would be uh, referred to today as high strangeness. So you may be aware of the term and the concept of high strangeness. It has been blowing up in popularity in the past few years, and there's a lot of subreddits dedicated to it, but basically high strangeness is the hypothesis that all paranormal phenomena originates from the same exact source, the same thing, that ghosts, demons, UFOs, aliens, <laughs> Bigfoot and cryptids, they're all the same thing, just manifesting into different forms. So somehow a unification of all paranormal normal research into one discipline, one theory. But even though this is now becoming very popular and very mainstream, I still need to be a hipster, so I still cling to the idea from my childhood of a Cosmic Joker. Why? Because you can't find much about the Cosmic Joker. Just search it up on Google. There's nothing. But basically, I was introduced to the concepts via this book, and in the book, this, this bizarre phenomena or whatever it's called, the Cosmic Joker is portrayed as a cosmic, universal, interdimensional entity who just plays around a bit with reality and, and causes sequences of events that trigger anomalous phenomena or coincidences and all of these events just have a dark, humorous undertone to them because this entity just wants to play around a bit and fuck with us. It is a trickster. And the idea of a trickster in the paranormal world is a very, very old idea that has been present throughout history. You have had trickster gods in a lot of cultures. You have had stories of fairies, which are <laughs> themselves just tricksters who fuck around with people. So throughout the history of paranormal happenings, there have always been trickster entities who want to fuck with our minds. But that is still too mainstream for me, and I just need to put my own spin to the whole thing. So, as you already know, I am a biology major, and I worked as a biology teacher at some point. So, uh, I am very, very into nature, and to be honest, if you haven't, really 
realized through my show by now. I hate humanity and I hate society, but I love nature. So in episode 12, I express uh, my opinions that we are all just cogs in the cosmic machine that is reality. And the only meaning of our lives is so we may exist as the building blocks of nature itself, because nature is a conglomerated, aggregated, corporate entity that is composed of all the living beings on this planet. And as I stated in that episode, you as a multicellular being are composed of millions of cells, and each cell is a being for itself. But each of those cells have given up on their freedom, their individuality, and traded it away for the good life, because one single-celled organism cannot exist on its own. It needs to take care of its own reproduction, its own survival. It needs to look for food and also try and not become food for something else. But when these organisms aggregate into unified systems, they then no longer need to take care of all of these functions on their own, but rather trade away uh, their individuality and get assigned a certain job. But that is only our level of existence as a single multicellular being. But nature is more than that. Nature is more than the individual. Nature has different levels of hierarchy, different dimensions of existence, if you will. And I already said in that episode that individuals group into societies and societies interact with the non-living habitat to group into ecosystems and ecosystems into biomes and biomes into the biosphere. And the biosphere is basically nature, which exists as a giant organism composed of all the organisms on this planet. And you know how your body is a complex system of cells and tissues and organs that all work in unity as a closed system that can be maintained by itself. Well, you know how your body has an immune system, and if something were to happen to your body, if you got a germ or maybe a cancer cell, then your immune system is there to recognize this threat and terminate it. Well, if nature itself is a giant aggregated organism composed of all of the organisms on Earth, and all of these organisms are basically the cells, the building blocks of this giant aggregated organism that is nature, surely nature has some kind of system to ensure that all of its components are working in unity. Well, I like to believe that the cosmic joker or this high strangeness or paranormal phenomena, this is all just the immune system of nature, which is there to ensure that all of the components of nature are working in unity and not trying to break away from the matrix. And as you may have noticed, I am all about existential dread and the puniness of humanity. Just like your body has an immune system that is able to recognize, say, a cancer cell and terminate it. Well, obviously nature as a giant, unified, corporate, uh, conglomerated, aggregated entity composed of every other living being on this planet surely has some kind of built-in mechanism to ensure order and balance within its own system because its existence depends on the unity and conformity of its building blocks and the building blocks of nature are us. Yeah, we are not here for ourselves. We are here just to fulfill the function of the building block of nature. Nature harnesses our existence and our bodies to establish circulation of matter and flow of energy, redistribution of reality itself. 
because before life evolved on Earth, chemical processes took way too much time and way too much energy to be established. But once life uh, evolved on Earth, then a new form, a new dimension of chemical existence was open to nature because now living organisms created proteins and enzymes which can catalyze these chemical processes and make them more quick and more reliable. So surely because chemical processes started uh, uh, occurring very <laughs> rapidly and more organized, then uh, this opens new dimensions of existence for nature to creates all that we are surrounded with right now. And the reason that I love biology so much is because it actually shows us how puny and insignificant we really are, because we are just the cogs in the fabric of reality, and reality does not revolve around us. We exist so we may serve reality, serve nature. And that's it. The thing is, people like to overblow our position in the universe. And I have to admit, we are very unique and we are very important to the existence of reality, the existence of nature. But not for the same reasons that most people would think. The universe does not revolve around us and we are here to serve the universe. And how we establish this is by opening new dimensions of existence to the universe around us. Now, as life started evolving. I already said uh, earlier that new chemical processes were open and new dimensions of existence were open to nature. So now nature does not need to establish uh, its material form via non-organic chemicals, but rather organic chemicals. And as life evolved, various different unified systems of these organic compounds and then cells and then tissues, organs, organisms, and then organisms started uh, conglomerating into various different societies. So now nature exists as a giant conglomeration of all organisms interacting with the non-living chemical surroundings around them. But we humans have kind of transcended our biological boundaries and have opened new dimensions of existence to nature itself because now we spend more of our lives living in the subjective reality within our heads. The objective reality, the nature around us, stimulates our sensory organs and these sensory organs then uh, interact with our nervous system, our psychological, sociological, and cultural framework, if you will, to create a new form of reality within our consciousness, our subjective reality, what I like to call the abstract. And this abstract, this subjective reality, this pocket dimension within the objective reality in which we live in is not only a part of an individual, of one person. It can actually interact with other people and become a social consciousness. So right now, because we exist and because we are advanced intellectual beings, nature is able to exist in different forms, not just the material objective reality that we like to study via science, but also the subjective psychological reality and the abstract, the art, the collective consciousness culture. You now have the objective reality interacting with the subjective mind of a person and then that person changing their subjective pocket universe, the abstract, based on stimuli from the outside world. But then you have that same person manipulating the outer world and changing it based on 
on what they perceive to be the outer world within their subjective reality. And then you have different people interacting with each other, basically multiple pocket dimension subjective realities or abstracts interacting with each other and changing each other and then everybody going their separate ways, proceeding to manipulate the objective reality again based on how they were influenced by other subjective realities from other individuals. So if you just experienced a mindfuck or just thinking, what the fuck is this idiot talking about? Basically, we exist so we may be extensions of reality. Reality, nature, no longer needs to exist just as its material objective form, but uses us to basically extend to various different subjective realities, pocket universes, the abstract. And if you think I'm talking shit and that none of this exists well, then that's the same as saying that art does not exist, that language does not exist, that any abstract concept within our society and culture do not exist. They do exist and they are transferred over and over to future generations. All of the superheroes we are creating right now and watching in the movies are all based on characters from Greek mythology. These are all the same concepts that have been existing in the social consciousness for thousands of years. And they exist. Not objectively, but subjectively. So yeah, we are all here to serve nature and the universe by allowing nature to use us as gateways to other dimensions. Oh, you're thinking I'm just crazy. Well, I am, but let's talk about this example. So I've been chatting with a new friend on Instagram about Brax, you're the Flatwoods monster. And basically... <laughs> I messaged them because I saw uh, their art, which featured the Flatwoods monster and thought it was very interesting and cute. And that's how we basically started chatting and became friends. So if you're not familiar, somewhere in the 50s in Braxton County in West Virginia, a UFO fell into the forest and a group of some kids and adults went to try and find what the fuck happened and saw a metallic UFO and out of the UFO emerged a monster with a spade-like head and it was very towering and scary and blah. It's just a monster story and it's very similar to the Mothman because Mothman also happened in West Virginia in the 50s and 60s, I believe. Now, while chatting with this person, I, I constantly made the point that this was just a fucking meteor and a fucking great horned owl because great horned owls uh, have some kind of a defensive position they make when they feel threatened where they put their butt above their heads and make their body look like an ace of spades. And a lot of owls actually have red glowing eyes and who knows, maybe some branches of trees formed arm-like things and then these individuals all were agitated and saw different variations of the same thing. My point being is that science likes to just dismiss all of this and say, oh, it's a great horned owl. The end. But this one fucking meteor and this one stupid great horned owl actually influenced a mythology to form within the social consciousness. This group of five or six people, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Each individual there saw a different variation of the same thing they were experiencing due to their agitation reacting with their psychological and social framework 
of their mind, and then went on to report this to journalists and the police, and then it came out in a newspaper, and then some author named Gray Barker decided, hey, this is a magnificent story, we should investigate this, and then wrote books about it and got rich selling books about bullshit. And after he died, it's turned out that, yeah, he was kind of a hoaxer and kind of over-exaggerated and sensationalized these stories. But it's it's very wrong to dismiss all of this as just a stupid horned owl and some guy trying to get rich off of lies because the, the thing with paranormal phenomena is that we are now uh, seeing that the manifestation of the phenomena is greatly influenced by the observer who is observing the phenomena and the emotional state of the observer. And just to tie the story with my theories on the cosmic joker, maybe this fucking meteor and this stupid horned owl were put at the exact same place at the exact same time by none other than nature. The Cosmic Joker, who programmed the sequence of events, this pattern of mundane natural occurrences, at precisely the perfect time when a group of kids could stumble upon the sequence of events and misinterpret it and form a new mythology around it and incorporate it into the social consciousness. Why is this? I don't know. It was the 50s. Maybe we were on the brink of a nuclear catastrophe. So maybe the Cosmic Joker just wanted us to start chasing owls instead. So in a way, if all paranormal phenomena is a reflection of our subconsciousness, then surely these storytellers, even if they are lying or over-exaggerating mundane uh, natural happenings, are contributing to the existence of the paranormal within the subconsciousness within the abstract reality I talked about. And because this happened, and because a few kids were scared of a stupid owl, and because a guy wanted to become rich uh, selling bullshit, we now have a whole mythology about that story. We have people still reporting sightings of similar entities because this writer came and said, hey, instead of seeing ghosts which have been seen for 500 years, why not see some alien thing that is 10 feet tall and has a spade head, huh? Diversity. And if that didn't happen, then this friend of mine wouldn't have created such amazing art, and this friend of mine wouldn't have met me, and we wouldn't have interacted with each other and learned new things. So even if something is bullshit objectively, scientifically, it still exists because it has an impact on the subjective, on the abstract. It forms mythologies, and all these storytellers are instigators of the paranormal phenomena and actually contribute to it becoming a reality because it is all just a psychological factor that is influenced by anomalous things that happen in the objective world, reacting with the subconsciousness and the mental framework of the observer. So the more and more we evolve and progress as, as humans, as a society, culture, civilization, if you will, the more we are opening possibilities to new forms of existence. We are opening subjective, abstract dimensions. No longer does something need to exist in its material form to actually exist. Just think of those mythological heroes I've been uh, mentioning from Greek mythology. They have been passed on and on through generations for thousands of years, and all our stories since then have been influenced by these same myths. 
And if you're thinking, ah, those are just stories, they have no impact on the objective reality. Well, now you have uh, giant corporations basing their heroes off of these Greek myths and selling them and profiting and creating large corporations that are actually influencing the economy and the objective world we live in and the more you uh, participate in this, the more you are participating in the manipulation of the objective reality based on the subjective reality that you have formed within yourself. This guy is full of shit! He cannot even pronounce a whole sentence without stuttering or pausing! Well, yeah, I am full of shit. But as you have noticed, the whole month has been themed around ranting. And I don't know, I never tried to create a podcast episode like this like others do, where they just rant and talk bullshit without masking it under uh, editing and high production value bullshit. So, yeah, tell me what you think of this if if you're, you're still listening. I... I think nobody's listening now because because this was very, very awkward and uh, I feel very awkward as well. And I'm continuing to be awkward and just talking about my awkwardness. Why won't I stop talking about my awkwardness? Well, wh- whatever whatever you may think, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing this and I don't know, I may be, I may be thinking of, of doing more of these types of non-scripted episodes where I just talk shit and and do it in a very awkward way because I, I've already said uh, <laughs> I've already said uh, numerous times that Andy Kaufman is is an inspiration for me and he loved making the audience feel awkward and uncomfortable during him his performances and I'm doing the same with my podcast but uh, luck, lucky luckily for me. I am awkward even when not trying to be awkward, so I'm pulling off all of my plans without even... without even putting so much effort into it. Okay, bye. Is Darwin truly this awkward, or is he just a genius? Did he plan all of this through and just acted it out for his amusement and your cringe? We may never know.